Hello, welcome to episode two of the Existential Diaries with me, Mila. So if you are coming back from episode one, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm Mila. So today we are going to be talking about what should we understand before we can understand. So this is not going to be an exhaustive history of philosophy or anything close to that, but I think it's just meant as a way to guide us in terms of what we should be thinking about in other people's cultures and the philosophy that drives everyone else and the philosophy that drives other people's cultures. I think this is more just a stepping stone to kind of get your mind thinking about it see what you should be thinking about or what you would like to be thinking about and kind of take it as a way to measure your own cultural views and measure whether or not you're living up to your culture's philosophy or you're living by your culture's philosophy to say it better and how you might follow subconsciously these cultural philosophies that are ingrained most of the time. So before we start the episode, just wanted to give my ins and outs of the week. My in of the week is my girlfriends. I have just been in such an appreciation for them. I love them so much. I just had a thing for my birthday and I got to see a lot of my friends and I was just so happy. So I am so appreciative right now. And outs of the week, probably the weather. It's been changing a lot. I'm fine with the constant weather, but it'll either be really, really cold and rainy or it'll be sunny and warm and I just never know how to dress for this weather, so that's definitely out. And let's see, another out is probably, yeah, no, honestly, just the weather. It's been a pretty solid week, so those are the ins and outs of the week. So text your friends and tell them you love them. So about the artwork for this episode, it is called Landscape with Charon Crossing the Sticks. Pretty self-explanatory. It is an oil on wood painting painted by the Flemish artist Joaquin Patinir. I think that's how you pronounce it. And it's dated between 1515 and 1524. I saw this painting at the Museo del Prado in Madrid, and it's still there, so super pretty, definitely caught my eye, and the subjects that are depicted in this painting are related to both the Roman poet Virgil in his epic poem, and also by Dante in the Inferno. If you listened to last week's episode or saw the artwork from last week, it was also another artwork inspired by Dante's Inferno. I subconsciously might just be in a Dante mood lately with art. So it shows Karen in the boat, Charon, Charon or Karen? Charon in the boat, and he's the one that transports the souls of the dead from to the gates of Hades. And you can't see the passenger, but there's a human soul depicted there who's deciding between heaven and hell. You could interpret this painting so many different ways. I personally just really liked the way it looked. I don't have a deeper meaning for this one, but I just thought it looked so beautiful and the colors of it. And I will say I do like how on one side, on the left side, it is heaven and on the right side, it is hell. 
and the painting does such a good job really showing the contrast between the two. And again, take it as you will. For me, it's depicting my constant or humanity's constant battle between good and evil and how sometimes, as in the portrait, you might just be split down the middle and looking to see if you're going to decide, you know, the good, heaven, or if you're going to decide the bad, hell. That's kind of just my take on it, but super beautiful. And if you're ever in Madrid, check it out. Now, on to what the episode is actually about. So the episode is titled, What Should We Understand Before We Can Understand? And I know that looks confusing, but I promise I did not have a typo in it. This is generally what I intended to talk about. And I think sometimes we have a hard time understanding things because you don't know what your basis should be. What should be the groundwork to add on to your understanding of any topic? In this case, it's philosophy. And for this specific episode, I think it's just understanding how philosophy affects different cultures and why that matters. So I think what really inspired my thinking for this episode was the book How the World Thinks by Julian Beguini. Beguini starts off his book by saying how written philosophy flows separately in different parts of the world all at around the same time. What he means by that is these different large and influential philosophical texts and authors were all around at the same time and philosophy started spreading. So he gives the example of the Upanishads, which are the foundational texts of Indian philosophy that were written between the 8th and 6th BCE, 6th century BCE. And then he also quotes the great Chinese philosopher Confucius, who was born in 551 BCE. And also gives the example of another philosopher. He was pre-Socratic philosopher, um, Thales, Thales of Miletus. And he was also born in 600 BCE. So all these great minds, all these great beginnings, written texts of philosophy started getting more traction around the world at the same time. And, you know, what... Confucius was talking about and his beliefs were different than what a Greek philosopher such as Thales could have been saying and also the Upanishads could have been depicting other philosophical ideas but all of these different philosophies were being dispersed around the world so different people at the same time were receiving different information about philosophy and Bagini argues that early, early philosophies have a profound impact on the development of culture. And he says that most of the time we're not aware of the fact that we've absorbed our own culture's philosophical assumptions. So a lot of the times we grow up in a country, we grow up within a culture in a country, and we don't really question where these beliefs or where these assumptions that we have came from we don't really say oh is this because I'm living in this country um instead of if I was living no I don't know if I'm living in the U.S. versus if I'm living in France sometimes we don't question am I thinking this way because I grew up in the U.S. or am I thinking this way because I grew up in France so these are a lot of intrinsic assumptions that we have that we're not really aware of until we make ourselves aware of it so this episode I 
politely recommend that you also question some assumptions that you have and to say, is this because I think this way or is this because I was brought up in a specific country, I was brought up within a specific culture, so why do I think that way? So for me, I am from Argentina, so I can only really talk about my culture of having grown up Argentine and then also living in the U.S. for a portion of my life. A lot of people didn't know how superstitious or how mystic Argentine culture was. My friends weren't really aware of just how superstitious we are in general. Again, this is all a generalization. But for the most part, Argentines are very superstitious. And my friends thought it was just me, but I think during World Cup time, they realized, like, no, it's actually just part of the country. It's part of the way we think. It's just ingrained in us, and we never think anything of it. The best example I can give of this Argentine mysticism or this Argentine superstitious is that if you weren't aware, Argentina won the World Cup this year. And the commercials and the social media that was going on in Argentina was very superstitious. And there's this commercial that came out from Quilmes, which is a beer company in Argentina. And it's talking about coincidences. Like that's the name of the commercial coincidences. And it's talking about how the year that Argentina previously won the World Cup, which was in 1986, there's a lot of things that are similar from that year and this year in 2022. So they go on to give a few examples. They go on to give a lot of examples, actually. So the first one that they opening up with is in 1986, the World Cup final was played at noon. And this year, what time is the World Cup final played at noon as well? And then the funnier ones is that Canada only qualified for the World Cup twice in 1986. And you guessed it, this year when the World Cup was, or this past year when the World Cup was played. Another one is that in Qatar right now, Jupiter is in Pisces. And also in 1986, Jupiter was also in Pisces during the World Cup time. Uh, De Niro only came to Argentina twice. Robert De Niro only came to Argentina twice when this past year and also when 1986. And the commercial goes on and people are giving different examples of things that were different. Well, no, things that were similar in 2022 and 1986, which are now both years that Argentina has won the World Cup. And I think even though it's really funny and with my parents, we laugh, it's something that is superstitious and it's something that we don't even think about but we truly as Argentines believe it and we're like oh my gosh like these coincidences this just means they're gonna win the world cup like it just doesn't it doesn't matter there's no logic behind it but all of these coincidences and these commercials were released before Argentina went on to win the world cup and these coincidences you know is there any logic behind them? No. Is there any tangible proof behind them? Probably, but can we prove it? No. So you can't not prove it, but you also can't prove it. So during the, so for the semifinals, it was Argentina versus Croatia. I was watching it with my friend and we went on to win that game. And I told her, I was like, okay, so we won the semifinal you cannot break the cabala. We call it cabala. So in Argentina, at least the way I grew up, understanding cabala is just like, you can't change like your luck. You can't like 
change what you did. So like your cavala is like the clothes that you were wearing for the semifinal, you have to wear for the final and you cannot break la cavala. You can't break the cavala. And cavala now, my friend told me and I looked it up, it's a Jewish word and it's a tradition of mystical interpretation of the Bible. So I had no idea, like my whole entire life, I just thought Kabbalah was not a made up word, but it was just this word that only Argentines knew. And then when I told my friend about it, she was like, oh no, like we also have like Kabbalah. So very funny, but in that way, one word reached me in Argentine without ever having any knowledge that it's historically a Jewish word. So I told her, I was like, whatever you were wearing for the Croatia semifinal, down to your underwear, you have to wear that same exact thing for the final because you were also with me for the semifinal. I don't care what plans you have. I don't care what you have to do. You're coming for that semifinal day, which was, it was on the weekend. It was Saturday or Sunday. And she did. She wore exactly the same thing and we won the World Cup. So I even told her, I was like, if we had lost the World Cup because either you were not wearing what you're supposed to be wearing or you didn't come, like, I was just going to be so upset. But so many people have that, and there's so many stories. I'm sure you can look it up. I'll link the uh, advertisement to this video because I generally think it's so funny, and it's just so accurate. Like, this is how we grew up. Like, I have these superstitions or, like, if I have, like, something coming up and maybe a necklace I wore on a day that I got pooped on by a bird, I'm not, like, no chance I'm going to wear that for a job interview. No chance I'm going to wear that for something important because, you know, there's some type of bad juju on there and I can't explain it, but that's just the Kavala and I can't break it. I cannot mess with it and there's no logic to it and I'm pretty logical, like, I think very rationally I have science roots but it's just something that's part of my culture and I can't explain it so if you have anything similar I would love to know but this is just a very funny very silly example of kind of this sedimentation so Julian Bikini goes on to explain that this is sedimentation and so sedimentation is this process of cultural absorption of philosophical worldviews and it's these values and beliefs that are sedimented and then it's sedimented in one generation or a specific time and then it just builds on it so as more people are inhibit or inhabiting a culture because culture continues to grow because more people are being birthed and there's more people in the world and so over time these cultures are going to grow and there's going to be more people following a culture so over that time we just in a sense inherit these views so specifically you know argentine worldviews are very different than this argentine superstition but i use this example because it does show that on a large scale it's something that every person that watched that commercial can be like, oh yeah, like I have something like that or I'm doing something like that for the World Cup final. So it's something that all of us can agree on and it goes back generations because you have people of all different generations saying, you know, their coincidences and saying how, oh, this was happening at that time the last time we were there or the last time I was born for the World Cup. So it goes on to show that we do absorb that. Like, I fully absorbed it when I was little. I never really questioned it. I never questioned what a cabla was. It just, for me, it was like, oh, yeah, like, you do this. Or just because, you know, 
you did this and a specific outcome came of it. So I'm going to do it again because if I don't do it again, then that outcome isn't going to happen. And that's what you grow up thinking about. So that's kind of what this sedimentation, you can then apply it to these big worldviews of culture. So, you know, for example, in the U.S., I feel like the values of individual freedom and liberty is so ingrained in our culture it's so ingrained in the way that you see politics the way that elections happen the fact that the u.s is a democracy this is a philosophical view that is shown in every aspect of u.s culture and it's something that you know as a country they try to uphold they try to keep these liberties and when you learn about government and politics of the u.s you know they really emphasize the fact that, you know, this is freedom and civil rights and, you know, civil liberties. So those are things that are really emphasized. And this comes from the philosophy of the U.S. This comes from what was going on when the American culture was kind of being set in motion. So these philosophies are then adopted and then they're sedimented into cultures And then when you live in them, you just absorb it. And a lot of times it's unconsciously. And other times you can, you know, pick up on it once you're aware of your own cultural philosophy absorption. You can really pick up on, oh, like, why did I think that way? Or why did I act that way? So I think it's really important to kind of question it and kind of see, oh, am I thinking this way because I was grown up to think this way? Or maybe I think this, if my case, you know, I grew up in a country, but my own culture at home was from Argentina. So when I was growing up in the U.S., when I went home, my culture was Argentine. Like, we only spoke Spanish. We only ate Argentine food. So I also had to break down. So am I thinking this way because of the Argentine influence, the American influence? Like, which one is it? And how do I pick it apart? And how do I differentiate So that's just some thoughts to have. That's just kind of some questions you can ask yourself and say, is this what I'm thinking? Like, was I brought up to think this way? Maybe what role does my environment, what role does my culture have in my thoughts? And maybe you go to a different country or maybe you go to a different place and their culture is influenced by different thoughts. And do you agree with those more? Do you not agree with those more? That's where I think it's so important to travel because you get to learn how different people think and you realize it's not always right or wrong. I don't think that just because someone sees something in a different perspective for you, in a different perspective than you, means they're necessarily wrong. So to give an example, obviously there's extremes. I think that, so to give an example, you know, I believe that partly i don't want to say we won the world cup but if we had lost the world cup in my head even though there's no logical reasoning for it i would have thought oh my gosh did i wear the right clothes like did i switch my socks was i not wearing the right shirt is that why we won the world cup and i can assure you that so many other argentines around the world if we had lost the world cup would have been like oh it's because i broke my cobbler Like, I didn't keep it. I didn't watch the World Cup at my friend's house the last time we won, like, all those matches. And this time I watched it at home with my family. Like, that's just the way we think. And maybe I'm saying this to someone else and I'm talking to them about it and they're like, that's ridiculous. Like, 
that there's no way what you were doing were going to influence the players. And, you know, fair enough. Okay, everyone thinks differently. I generally cannot give you a logical reason. It's just something that I cannot argue with. And as a country, you can take it up with the people of Argentina. Don't take it up with me. I'm just talking about it. But maybe someone else is like, that's so ridiculous. Like, I would never do that. I would never think that way. Like, we don't think like that where I'm from, blah, 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 blah. Okay, there's someone that thinks about it like that. There's someone that doesn't. Or is either of us right or wrong in the situation? No. No, because I was brought up with a specific viewpoint. I was brought up with a specific mindset based on my culture and where I grew up and who I grew up around. And they were also brought up in a different place, maybe, or with a different culture. And they're going to think differently. And just because we think different doesn't mean one of us is right or wrong. I think that when you look at things from other people's perspectives and you're trying to understand different cultures, you can't have a comparative mindset about it. Not compare. You can compare it like, oh, how is this different from mine? But not like which one's right which one's wrong you can't have a polarizing ask like mindset about it because that's where you're really going to limit yourself because you're going to be thinking with your own bias and saying well no like i'm right because you know this is what i grew up with and they're different from me and they think differently from me so they're automatically wrong no like when you're thinking about these ideas so as when you think about comparative philosophy you're just kind of going through different assumptions of other people. And when you are thinking about other people's assumptions, that's also when you realize your own assumptions. So seeing how other people are different from you also makes you realize how different you are from them. So it's not that they're the different ones. You're also the one that's different in their own viewpoint. And who's right or wrong, it doesn't really matter to understand someone doesn't mean you have to say one's better than the other and one's you know right or wrong this or that it's not about that it's just understanding where they're coming from and also understanding that your definition of understanding might also be different from their definition of understanding and you can also be biased in your way of understanding other people so that's all a mouthful, but just keep that in mind. Keep in mind your own bias and the fact that just because you think you're understanding a culture and maybe in order to understand a culture, you think you have to, you know, learn about the philosophy, as in this episode. I'm going to understand this country's philosophy. And there's a lot of academics, there's a lot of people that say that is one of the best ways, if not the best way, to understand a culture to understand people that come from places that are not like yours someone else might think no that's not the right way and to each their own but different people have different methods of understanding and different people are going to understand differently and you also have to understand that you trying to get into someone else's perspective you're also bringing over your own bias into that perspective so that's why Julian Beghini argues that if you want some of the best understanding of a culture, you have to understand the ideas that are behind that culture, the ideas that are subconsciously affecting and subconsciously influencing 
that culture. That's what he's trying to get at with this book. So whether or not you agree, also up to you. But this is just a take on that, a take on understanding other people and understanding other cultures. So I feel the question here is, why does it matter to understand philosophical traditions? I just briefly brought up that question. And how does that matter when you're thinking about understanding people of other cultures? And to that question, personally, I would say, why wouldn't it matter? There's so much left to learn. There's never enough learning you can do about a culture that's not your own. There's also never enough learning you can do about your own cultures. There's never enough questions answered. There's never enough answers because the more you think and really all of these ideas and all of this history is limitless. This goes back to the beginning of societies, goes back to the beginnings of cultures and what's a way of understanding it. And philosophy is a measure of understanding it. Philosophy isn't just understanding people and understanding their cultures, but it can be used as a tool to understand history. So to quote Beghini, he says, to understand a culture's philosophical tradition better, it is to understand that culture better. So if you can understand where these thoughts and where these ideas, these philosophical ideas of a culture came from, what influenced them, what was the evolution of this thought? How did these thoughts evolve? How did this philosophy evolve? You can show a different perspective of a culture and you can really kind of put yourself into that framework. Again, you have to be aware of your own bias that you bring in to these perspectives, but it gives you kind of this little like magnifying glass into a culture and gives you a chance to look in on it and see, oh, like they evolved from this thought and, you know, their philosophers thought this and this spread throughout the culture. So it really provides you that type of framework. There is a Zimbabwean philosopher who's called Joram Tairusarira, I think I'm saying that correctly, who says that the understanding of a philosophical framework of a people is like understanding the software their minds work on. If you don't understand their software, there will always be a gap in terms of understanding in conversation. So if you don't have an understanding or even the base of an understanding of a people and their culture, it is really difficult to try to understand them and try to understand things from their point of view. So there's also the example of this gap in understanding of a culture, I think is best exemplified by the fact that there are so many white elephant projects. So if you don't know what white elephant is, it's basically some type of project that is really, really high. It's a high cost project, super expensive to run, and then it ends up having little to no value or isn't a productive project. So this is why a lot of times these white elephant projects happen. And this is why I also believe a lot of development aid programs tend to fail. We talk about this when I was an undergrad and we always had the conversation of, you know, trade versus aid. How is it best to help other countries? And another module we had was why do aid development projects fail? And a lot of times it's because people don't understand 
the culture, don't understand the country where they're trying to give this aid to. So, for example, there was a project at Lake Turkana, and the Norwegian government spent $22 million to build a fish processing plant in Lake Turkana in Kenya. And that plan massively failed. Why did it fail? Well, first of all, this was a fish processing plant. The Turkana people, they're nomads that have no history of fishing or eating fish. Next part of why it failed is that the fish that they were catching was just too expensive to sell to other people. So what was the point of catching this fish, processing this fish, if they then couldn't even sell it because the cost of it was so high. Next, the temperature that was needed for these processing plants to keep this fish cool because this is a region where it's really, really hot. It's a region that has a lot of drought. It's really, really incredibly high temperatures. And the temperature that was needed to keep these like fish processing plants cool was it took more electricity than was available in the Turkana district. So to even run this processing plant, it would take more energy than they needed to power all the homes, all the electricity that was needed in Turkana. And then the last part of why this failed is that because Lake Turkana is a region with really, really high temperatures, it's also a region that's very prone to drought. So part of the lake where the majority of fishing happened just ended up disappearing. So there wasn't any way to fish. There wasn't any way to make any type of valuable profit for these people. So the project just failed. It just became a white elephant project. So that's just an example. And it's a bit to explain why sometimes not having an understanding of a culture, an understanding of a people, what types of foods they eat, how they feed themselves, what's the process of them feeding themselves, you know, what's the area? Something as simple as knowing the weather of a place, you would be surprised. Some people don't even take into account the weather of these places that they're then sending aid to. So it's fine. You're spending, you know, $22 million on a project, but you didn't even take time to really understand the region, really understand the people, understand where you're sending this aid to. Why are you sending, you know, a fish processing plant to a place that's prone to drought for people that don't even fish or have never had experience fishing or even, you know, fish isn't a big part of their diet. Why are they doing that? Why are you funding that? That's just an example, but it's relevant and a real world application of how not having this understanding of a culture can really affect it and really hurt people within that culture. If you don't even take it into account, And so a way of closing this gap and a way of trying to make sure this stuff doesn't happen is to maybe, and I think definitely, get a philosophical understanding of that culture and the thoughts and ideas that have evolved from this culture and influence the way that they think. Because most of the time when it comes to our own culture, We don't understand how ingrained it is. I know I talked about, you know, in the U.S., we have this value for individual freedom and liberty. And so when you look at the history of the U.S. and you look at U.S. philosophy or you look at U.S. political philosophy and political thought, it really does stem from this idea of 
freedom and liberty and how do you define liberty and who's free who's not free you know where where does this come from this political thought and how does that affect you know the country and the culture later on how does you know defining liberty and giving a definition to who is free and who is not free and as you see in the u.s how does that in turn affect that country later on and it does and it's something that can also be used to try to understand the history of a place try to understand a history of the racism in a country the history of the sexism the homophobia in a country these ways of thinking while you know ideas and some people argue that thinking and ideas aren't important but they are because ideas can be dangerous words are dangerous in the hands of the wrong people these are powerful tools that time and time again have shown to be powerful words are persuasive words are influential and you don't think that thoughts and where these schools of thoughts come from can be influential so i think that you know philosophy is more than just understanding people it's understanding their histories so stemming from this idea of how philosophy can be powerful for culture Philosopher Tom Kasulis says that although philosophy is itself a cultural phenomenon, it can not only understand but change a culture. And as I was kind of getting into it earlier, why is that? And it's because these ideas, they matter and these ideas evolve. And how can you come up with new ideas and new forms of thought if you don't even study the old ones? How can you improve something if you don't see the past and you don't reflect on the ways that it didn't work how can you make sure something's going to be worth it and worthwhile if you look at the past and see instances where it wasn't worthwhile and see instances where it fails and you know these are more questions they're broader questions but they are really important and philosophy can be used to understand a history and see where it was that these ideas came from and how that affects the world we live in today. And, you know, it's super, again, each person interprets it differently, but philosophy is a way of understanding history and interpreting history. So it's a powerful tool for that. But now to kind of bring it back to philosophy and understanding us individually you're understanding other people individually you know why why does it matter why does it matter to understand other cultures why why does that matter and Bellini makes this argument and at first when I first read it I didn't agree with it but obviously as I learned more and read his argument for it I could understand where he was coming from but Bellini says that in order to understand ourselves, we have to understand others. So I used to, and still am partly, so I feel like I'm 50-50 on this. I'm of the mindset that in order to, you know, understand others, I need to understand myself. So I need to understand my own way of thinking and my own biases and my own culture And then once I understand myself, it makes it easier to understand others. But Bellini says that the reverse is true. And he goes on to just kind of 
explain how when you understand other people and you understand where they're coming from in their form of thinking, that in turn makes you reflect on your own self and reflect on your own views and your own beliefs. And that's what makes it easier for you to understand yourself because you are learning from other people and you're learning how they differ from you. But then with this reflection, you also realize how they're, how you're different from them. And I do agree with this. And I also want to add that I think that sometimes the only way to know whether or not your values and your beliefs are your own and whether or not you really truly agree with them and it's something that you will not bend away from is to have it question. I think that when you're able to go to a different place or go to a different country that basically turns the way that you think and what you believe of the world completely upside down, turns it around, you don't even, it's complete opposite of where you are and you start questioning and you're like, wait, this is not anything of what I've grown up with. This is not anything unlike the people I've been around. So when you have an experience like that, that completely turns your mindset upside down and you don't know what's right or what's wrong. But as I said earlier, I personally don't think that anything has to necessarily be right or wrong when it comes to look viewpoints of the world, when it comes to thinking about things differently. It's just different. It doesn't have to be polarized. But when you have those thoughts questioned constantly and you have to defend them, and then when you're defending them and you start to be like, wait, I don't even know if I even agree with this, which I think you should constantly be doing that. I think you should constantly question your views, constantly question your beliefs, because how are you supposed to improve and how are you supposed to evolve your thinking if you don't even question what you're thinking about right now and question the viewpoint and the frame point of it? In that sense, I do agree with Bellini, and I think he said such a good argument for it, and I really do agree with these thoughts. And because our thoughts on what understanding can be different from someone else's thoughts and understanding, as I said earlier, one thing doesn't have to be better than the other. One form of thinking isn't better. I posted this quote on my Instagram from the book On Tyranny by Timothy Snyder, and it It's from chapter 16, and the title of the chapter is Learn from Peers in Other Countries. And he's talking about, you know, having a passport and traveling and how sometimes, you know, you might be from a country where they don't want you to travel or you don't want to travel because you're in a country and you're like, well, this is what I've always grown up with. And this is something that I don't want to question. I'm very comfortable here you know, I don't want a passport, why would I need a passport? And so he goes on to say, having a passport is not a sign of surrender. On the contrary, it is liberating since it creates the possibility of new experiences. It allows us to see how other people, sometimes wiser than we, react to similar problems. Since so much of what is happening now is familiar to the rest of the world or from recent history, we must observe and listen. I love that quote. If I could get something that many sentences tattooed on my body I would but that would be way too long to have as a tattoo but he has such a point I think that you know one of the best ways obviously of understanding other cultures is to travel but I think even before then before you travel you should have the mindset that you are going to another country or another place 
And these are people that might not have the same mindset as you, do not have the same background as you. And be aware of that and understand where your own bias is coming from and understand that just because something is different doesn't mean it's wrong and doesn't mean that just because something is different, your way is better. That's not, you know, the way that you should be going into it. And also, traveling is one way of doing it, but some people can't travel. And I think you can easily get a lot of these lessons from just meeting people that are from different places, from different cultures. I love Google Translate because you know why? I can communicate with someone that doesn't necessarily speak English or Spanish or Italian. Like, I can communicate with people that speak a different language. Whereas, you know, even 50 years ago, that could have been impossible. So if I'm somewhere right now and I meet someone that solely speaks French, maybe 60 years ago, I would not be able to have a conversation with them. But now, because of the world being so globalized and having so much technology at our fingertips, I can somehow manage to communicate with this person. I am not afraid to take out my Google Translate, be like, one second, type it in, show them what I'm saying, have them type something in, and communicate. And it's a bit awkward. If you just get past the awkwardness, like, think about the conversations that you might never have. And I always think about this and generally it is something that keeps me up at night I think about all of the conversations and all of the people that I might never have the chance to meet and the conversations I might never get the chance to have because there's this language barrier or there's this cultural barrier and there's not a way for me to either understand how to communicate with them or understand how to you know start a conversation with them because again different cultures also have different ways of initiating conversation of what you should say when you first meet someone and you know all these conversations that I'll never get to have because I might not speak someone else's language and maybe it was it's someone so interesting and so cool that can teach you something you might not know but I'll never know and you know there's so many conversations I definitely have already missed out on because I don't know the language or I never even have the chance to to even visit where they live so as much as you can, try to learn from people that aren't like you and try to have conversations with people that might not speak your language. And if you can get over the awkwardness of using Google Translate, it's amazing because you don't, you just learn more. You know, you ask them, like, I always say, like, my number one way of, like, just talking to someone, if they live, they come from a different country and I just want to learn more about them, their culture, where they're from, I'm just like, oh, like, what's your favorite thing about living in X, Y, and Z? Or what do you not like about living in X, Y, and Z? And in that way, you get to learn about them, you get to learn about where they come from, you know, what life might be like in that country. Because, again, unless, you know, you've moved around all the time, you might never get exposed to living in different countries or what that day-to-day life is like so that's why i just think that it is incredible that technology gives us these tools and i feel like such a grandma being like oh you have technology at your fingertips but you really do and it's just not technology and obviously you have knowledge like we have more knowledge today than anyone that's lived before us which is insane but we also have a way of communicating with people in a way that people before us have never had the chance to have. And we have the opportunity to talk to people in all parts of the world and have some type of method of even getting a conversation out, whether it's Google Translate or your super broken French. And my, you know, 
case, but there's a way and think about, you know, maybe you're not like me, people don't think about this, but I generally think about all the conversations I've missed out on because I did not know someone else's language. And even though I want to try to learn every single language possible, that's simply not possible. But, you know, there is a way of not missing out on those people. And, you know, sometimes you just gotta use Google Translate at the bar and it works. So this kind of, you know, segued into my next question that I wanted to talk about is, you know, why does it matter to understand culture, understand this philosophy of different places? Why is it even under, you know, important to care about understanding other people's culture? Why is it even important to talk to people that are different from us and to each their own? But personally, again, like you might just miss out on these incredible people and the world is so big and it's so much bigger than where you were born. Like, I don't think that just because you were born in one place, you are, you know, by any means restrained to that place, restrained to that way of thinking. You know, you travel and you learn and you talk to people and you have friends from different parts of the world and in different cultures. And you can, you know, choose the good parts of different cultures too, if you really like something. Like for me, I grew up with Argentine culture and I grew up with American culture. And my way of just kind of dealing with having one culture when I leave my house and having a different one when I walk through the door is I just take the best parts of them. And there's this TED talk that I watched about two, three years ago. And I'm going to cut myself back in saying the name of this guy. Um, The name of the guy is Pellegrino Riccardi. And basically this TED talk, he just talks about the importance of cross-cultural communication. And he says it, he gives it a bit more from like a business, like business perspective so if you're doing like international business and he helps people that conduct business in other countries and just kind of making sure that they're able to communicate with these people effectively and he goes on to talk about it and it's just so interesting and he says how he is Italian and he grew up in England and then his wife is Norwegian so he has these three cultures these three big cultures in his life and how he basically manages all three because that is a lot of cultures and he goes on to say you know he just takes the best part of each culture and he has three kids and he's like i give my kids the best parts of these three cultures the parts that i love the most the parts that i think are the best and i give them to my kids and he's like sometimes it's hard because sometimes different cultures and what they value are completely you know in contrast with each other but he tries to give the best parts of these three cultures he tries to give it to his kids and that's what I like to do I guess and that's what I think my parents have tried to teach me how to do because it can be really confusing but you know you're not confined to the place you were born you're not confined to the culture you then grew up in because I was born in one country I grew up in a different country and I moved back and forth between a few other countries and then I in my adult life I moved overseas to a different continent and realized I like that more so now I'm just like wait what which one am I and you can be all of them you don't have to choose one or the other I think as long as you come from a place of understanding and you've taken the time to understand that culture be respectful to that culture be respectful to their customs and its people then you can you know have a place for all of them And if you love a different country and you want to move there, 
then you can move there and you can take the best parts of that place too. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be multiple ones. And, you know, the guy in this TED Talk, he always said that as long as you approach things with curiosity, that's the best you can do. When you're in an unknown country or an unknown culture and you don't know how to ask someone, you know, about where they're from or about what their country is like, just be curious. Like, come from a place of curiosity. And when people ask you with curiosity, you're so much more inclined to respond. Curiosity and respect, I think, always understand that you need to be respectful this is just something that i also just don't think should be argued you should always be respectful no matter where you travel no matter the people you're meeting understand that you're a visitor in their country they have their ways you're willingly you know visiting a country so understand that they're gonna have their own cultures they might not know anything about your culture and be respectful of them and be curious and always just ask questions. There's nothing wrong with it. As long as you do it in a curious and respectful way, as this guy says in the TED Talk, there isn't anything wrong with it. And I think that going from a place of understanding a place's philosophy, understanding where their thoughts originated from, how that affected their history, how that affects their country now, because in a lot of cases, that philosophy, that, you know, political philosophy affects the country to this day and you see a lot of examples of this and understand that and then you know ask questions be respectful and visit those countries or talk to someone from a different country and you know open your mind have more of like a global mindset how to be this global citizen that's from the book by damon dominique that says you are a global citizen and these thoughts and this idea and this understanding and this respectfulness of another country and another culture adds to this global citizenship. So you're not just a citizen of your own country, you are a citizen of this world. We all share the same world. You know, we might all, all share the same country, we don't share the same borders, but we do share the same world. And if you can find a way to surpass these borders surpass these lines drawn out for us like how is it and this is also part of the thinking of it like it's insane how much changes from one country to the next even though two countries can be right next to each other how different they can be even though they share a border they're different but we all share the same earth and we all share the same world so i think that you know, that's also just part of having a global mindset and being a global citizen. Like, it's not just your country that you live on. It's this world that you live on. And the more that people under can understand other cultures and are willing to understand, then I feel like the world might just be a bit better. So that is all I have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you learned something. I hope that you know maybe this made you ask some more questions maybe this made you more curious about anything and again you know if you have any thoughts any feedback seriously let me know if you have any crazy superstitions or cabalas like argentina does please let me know i would love to love to hear someone else that you know has their own superstitions so thank you so much for listening i hope you have a great rest of your week and i'll see you next week bye